Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. What a difference a few hours can make. If you remember during the overnight trade, a lot of negativity, a lot of uh, downward feel in this grain market. But then we saw the turnaround happen as the trading session went on. Maybe one of the factors, and we're going to talk about this, is we've got a report out on Friday. Is the buyers just, they've just backed away? And is it the weather? Is it a combination thereof? We're going to find out all the details about what happened. On the flip side, real quick, we'll let you know that cattle are down and and the lean hogs finished with a mixed type of market. Sam Hudson joins us today. Sam, of course, with Corn Belt Marketing. And I think you brought up an interesting point. Uh, we just kind of run out of sellers at this point. Yeah, that's right. You know, we came into the week uh, with quite a bit of pessimism after some solid rains across most of the Midwest. Uh, in a good chunk of Iowa, M- Missouri, and Illinois all got some pretty meaningful rains, and they're rains that could carry us here for several weeks. So even though we could be looking at uh, you know, some irreparable damage from some of the conditions we had in May and June, uh, whatever potential is there has really high odds of, of getting filled out at this point, and forecasts look pretty amicable for that. So, you know, market reaction, you know, net result is just kind of a you know, an attitude that we can't argue under uh, 170 on corn, for example, and maybe under one. Uh, excuse me, under 50 on beans. And maybe we still can, but uh, it takes the odds of a dramatic uh, adjustment out of the equation. And when we're still lagging in demand, uh, we get this kind of a tepid market. So um, not a lot for the wheat market to chew on either. You know, we continue to see some unrest over there in the Black Sea, but uh, in terms of rubber hitting the road, you know, for world demand and world balance sheets, it really still has continued to not have much of an impact. Do you expect any uh, real excitement, uh, fireworks, shall we say, with this Friday's report, since many folks say they're going to be looking more at what the yield numbers are all about? Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to, I do believe you've got a little bit of a discrepancy, uh, particularly on corn yields. Uh, I think there's a crowd out here that thinks we could go back up from 177 after the reduction in July. Uh, and probably just as many people that think we could still continue to go down with it. I'm probably in the camp where we end up closer to 170 than 180. But I don't know that I'm you know, specifically bullish because, because of that. You know, if we've got this demand problem here for a while, I think we're going to be you know, dealing with that into the winter months. I, I believe the domestic end user processors and the feed guys are going to need to get um, you know bought up your harvest to get to you know fill their pipeline. Uh, but after that, uh, you know, we, you know, go back down to find that export demand. If South America's crop looks like it's in good shape to start, which doesn't come as any surprise because we've been hearing that pretty much all growing season. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, here domestically, when you've got good to excellent ratings up 2% on corn and beans here this week and probably going up again next week, uh, again, the, the reason for risk premium just gets uh, drawn straws in general. And, and if we are to see a demand-led rally down the road, which is certainly possible, uh, you know, nothing's guaranteed in South America, uh, it still takes a while to, to build that. Um, it just doesn't happen overnight. You know, the weekly crop progress report of yesterday was, I mean, no surprise. We saw a little bit of increase in percentage, and we can blame that on, on some beneficial rains. Yeah, absolutely. Some cooler temperatures. You know, we had uh, those hot temperatures uh, there at the beginning of the month, but uh, just not a lot of impact from it because we had enough moisture in the ground. And honestly, uh, you know, all the attention gets gets put on the crops, of course, with these rains, but uh, they're just as important for the river systems. You know, we've seen in the past how detrimental it can be to have low water in the river harvest, uh, particularly for beans. You know, we're front-loaded on bean exports typically every year, uh, and we're lagging in pace. So as much as we can catch up between now and when those combines roll, really between now and the end of the year, uh, it's critical in determine, to determine what we're going to have for carryover stocks. Uh, and if there's any, like I said, reason for the world to continue to come to the U.S., 
uh, then we can draw ours down again. Um, we just have not seen that. Uh, China's uh, July soy imports, I believe, are almost 25% higher year over year for the month of, uh, of July. And so May, June, July, you know, continuing to see some really robust numbers in the, in the China, but it's just coming from uh, out of South America instead of the U.S. You know, Sue Martin brought that up yesterday, talking about the concerns that are on the Mississippi. What are you hearing uh, with these lower levels? And is it something we should be worried about in the upper Midwest? Well, it's something that, uh, you know, quite honestly, and unfortunately, we've kind of grown uh, used to here over the last, uh, you know, two to three, four months. Uh, obviously, export demand has been kind of, uh, you know, on the decline really since last October. We've been cut, seeing cuts from USDA, uh, but it's been kind of a new normal uh, along these river systems, you know, where we got to take some tighter turns. There's been a lot of dredging going on, uh, and that's just been a battle uh, really over the last couple of years off and on, uh, you know, one extreme to the next. And so, um, you know, these rains we've gotten recently, starting to look at some of the you know water levels downstream and seeing a bump there. But honestly, you know, even after four inches here locally, we need a little bit more to continue to keep those charged, uh, keep the tributaries charged so that, uh, you know, once harvest hits, we can still float those boats at 100%. Any uh, concerns to talk about? I mean, I saw the surge in the dollar. Um, does that cause any export concerns for you at this point? You know, it's kind of a longer term, big picture. I, you know, at this point, the the uh, lower premiums in, in South America to this point have really been the driver there. It almost didn't matter what the currencies did because they had such a big crop. And not only a big crop, but they got inundated at their ports because they simply don't have enough storage for it as quickly as it gets there anymore. And so I think we finally passed that glut now. And, and if not for nothing, actually, some of these port premiums for October and November have actually upticked a little bit. And so uh, USDA is going to be, excuse me, U.S. is going to have a fighting chance here at harvest. But I think, uh, you know, beans are going to be the priority here. And it may be after the first of the year before we can really see a big in, you know, increase in, in corn exports or a bigger recovery. And that being said, it leaves the door open for USDA to, you know, continue to whittle down those expectations even if yield comes down and uh, that doesn't leave a lot uh, you know in the way of price improvement unless it's because of geopolitics so do you have any concerns about this this mixed feel we continue to have with the wheat complex um you know it's just uh you know the boy who cried wolf there i mean we continue to see uh, concern about uh, you know conflict and what it's going to mean in the black sea but no one really knows you know the concrete outcome and, and ever since you know last february we've been chewing on this thing for 15 or 18 months now something like that um we just really have not seen uh, that much of a benefit in terms of world demand so when your world balance sheet is still tenable um you know there just doesn't seem to be a, a big reason to, to change the tide and, and the one thing to continue to, to reiterate and, and notice there is the, the big short position and the lack of open interest and in, in market depth if there is a reason you're gonna see some big moves we continue to see that type of a know a market in corn and soybeans but i think that's about to change as we get into september and increase harvest volume all right we'll stick around folks more is coming up as we continue to take a look at the marketing happenings of this tuesday stick around it's the fontanelle final bell on the rural radio network Summer is going fast and Husker Harvest Days is right around the corner. Please join us one final year in the Fontenelle Tent at the show September 12th through the 14th near Grand Island. There's plenty to talk about, including the merger into the new Channel Seed brand, our proven performance potential, and an expanded corn portfolio for 2024. So stop and see Fontenelle at Husker Harvest Days. The same local commitment with new possibilities. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continue our conversation this afternoon with Sam Hudson. Of course, Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. And we left off talking a lot of happenings in this grain complex. But obviously, like when we started the program, we talked about um, the lack of sellers at this point. But we do have a big report coming out on Friday. And kind of give us kind of your thoughts uh, and what we might see in these guesstimate numbers. Well, I mentioned the, the deviation, uh, you know, recent deviation between, you know, some people thinking that we could see yields actually stabilize and go back up and some that think we could continue to move lower. I do think that, you know, the, the fact that USDA made an adjustment in July based on weather in June is telling. Uh, you know, historically, they don't like to do that unless the conditions, you know, justify it. And so, you know, the odds that we, you know, reverse course and go back up, I think, are still relatively low here. But, you know, as I mentioned, I don't know if we can go down at such a quick pace at this point after these recent rains that it's going to make a huge difference because of that demand. Um, we didn't see them cut new crop corn exports last time around. They did continue to make cuts on old crop. Uh, but with the pace where it's at, uh, I think those gradual reductions are going to be seen. And I don't believe, you know, based on what we're seeing right now, that the feed and ethanol, uh, you know, side of the coin can really pick up the slack there. I think we can have optimism that ethanol margins are good and, uh, you know, we're going to eventually need to try to expand this uh, this herd. So I think feed, you know, demand is going to be relatively good, but I think there's a glass ceiling there. And so making that up is going to you know, take some time to build some steam. And, and so I think the likelihood of seeing kind of a steady to be slightly lower carry out in corn as possible, but I don't know if it's enough to really move the needle. Um, you know, and it feels like you could get locked into this, uh, we'll call it you know, 475 to, to five and a quarter range here until uh, basis does a little more of the heavy lifting into September. So what do you think the rest of the week is going to be like? I mean, on Thursday, are we really going to see a very quiet trade in, in prep for this Friday's numbers? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I would think that the, the bean market may have a, actually a little more, more potential from a recovery standpoint. I think you get those no beans back up, well, maybe into the 1320 uh, area before we see that number come out. And if we don't see, um, you know, conviction on, on strong yields in the bean market, for what it's worth, our, our stocks of usage there is still relatively tight. Uh, we're still lagging in demand there like we are in corn, but I don't think the cuts uh, on the demand side are going to come as quickly. And so we've got you know, maybe a two-month period here where if there's a reason for bean yields to come down, we could see uh, you know some jumps in the marketplace still. But uh, at this point, if you can't argue under 50 bushel an acre, I don't know that we have to go up necessarily to make new highs. Um, so keep an eye on flash sales. I think that's going to be a, more of a staple item, but we need it to, to keep pace. So how much are the livestock keeping track of what these Friday numbers might say? Uh, definitely the feeders. I think that's the first area you got to look at. You know, we've continued to see cash cattle prices uh, kind of hit a little bit of a lull here recently, but we're still trading at premium to futures. And so when you look at the fact that we still need to, um, you know, like I said, keep up with demand as well as look at the potential for expanding herd size, it's really the same dynamic here moving forward. And so uh, the immediate knee-jerk reaction is going to be felt in that feeder market. Uh, you know, the August contract year is going to be going towards expiration pretty soon. So it'll be interesting to see what that spread does compared to the September. Uh, but I, don't, I think it's going to get tough to, to find sellers of, of corn under 450 or 460 here. As we get closer to harvest, you still have the insurance factor uh, until we get through October. And I think the bigger risk would be uh, after the first of the year. You know, if we get this one in the bin, realize, you know, what it is, what it isn't, what we've got. Uh, and South America is going to, you know, line up for another round of it. So if they can get get one off without a hitch, I think that probably becomes our, our biggest risk is January, February, March time frame before we go to the field again. And here we sit waiting on the cash as well once again after an exciting week last week. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And, uh, you know, again, just kind of in a lull here, but uh, the fact that we're still trading above uh, above futures on, on this August contract I think is you know, somewhat encouraging that we can at least hold a range there. Um, if you get into some additional economic concerns or money flow concerns, I still think this market could be a little bit at risk, but the cash market leads the way, and it's continued to, to stay strong. 
All right. What are you looking at for um, excitement in this hog market? I mean, if anybody's been on a roller coaster ride lately, it's been those hogs. It has been, and you know, I think it's still largely uh, you know, dictated on this export market. Um, you know, China's going to continue to you know rebuild their uh, hog herd there too, and so from a demand standpoint, I think we have to wonder how long how long that lasts and how quickly we can reload. Obviously, still some uh, you know items to be had on on the legislation side too, and what that's going to mean in the, here in the U.S. long term. So, uh, you know, I think when you know, look at the uh, October contract at eighty four, eighty five, it's possible we could trade up to ninety there if the lean hog index continues to to roll higher here when you look at pork cutout values, uh, they've been a little bit less steadfast. And so, um, you know, once we figure out where this August contract needs to go and go off the board, I think you're going to see maybe a little bit more relaxation. And as you get into the end of the year, I think those supplies could jump again and maybe keep a lid on the market. Is there support goal coming for these pork cutout values? Um, you know, I think so. You know, when you look at uh, you know December at eighty six, you know, again, I don't know how high you can get this thing, but when you look at beef prices, I still think between now and the end of the summer, we're still going to have a good domestic uh, you know, demand on the pork side of things. I think some of that beef is still getting a little bit high priced, and you know, as you get closer to the end of the year, and you look at this credit card debt and everything, one still has to wonder, you know, how far you know things can be driven. But I think poultry and and, and pork have a, a good hat in the ring between now and then. All right, best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam. 800-655-3380 or cornballmarketing.com. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. You can check this one out and others as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe for those free podcasts. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network.